Yeah, so the journey started when I was diagnosed with the fibroids back in 2014. And um, they thought it might have been ovarian cancer. And then when that wasn't the case, it's like, Jesus, why the fuck, pardon my French, did you go and scare me like that? When actually it's something much more manageable, you know? Um, and yeah, so the journey started then. So I started doing the acupuncture, started going to therapy. Actually, no, I didn't start going to therapy yet at that point. What I did was continue living a somewhat unhealthy lifestyle that I continued drinking at the weekend. Um, yeah, so I did that for about a year or so, and I was had to monitor the fibroids every few months to see if they were growing, because the doctor said if they grew too big, they would affect my fertility. And I think that was the biggest thing. That's what threw me into the tizzy. It was like, what do you mean like my fertility is going to be affected? I think this is something that we really take for granted growing up, and I think that's why it's so hard for people to talk about now. That's Mandalay Kuhn, and this is the Yoga Life Podcast. Hello, good morning, or well, it's good morning here, maybe good afternoon or good evening or possibly even good night, depending when you're listening to this episode. A lot of people say they like to listen to this before they go to bed, so I'll take that as a compliment, I guess. Um, or maybe it's just a boring podcast, but today is not definitely not a boring one, far from it. Um, as you know, my name is Kevin, and I have with me a lady called Mandalay Kuhn. Now, Mandalay, interesting name. Yes, but even more interesting story. I first met Mandalay at the Yoga Hub Christmas Party, which is a studio I teach at here in Dublin, uh, last year, so 2017 to 2018. And Mandalay at the time was a fully-fledged lawyer. She taught yoga part-time on the side. But now the tables have completely turned, and she's going off traveling, um, delving more into the spiritual side of yoga and looking to come back to Dublin and be a full-time yoga teacher. Mandalay's got a real interesting story because she is a lady in her mid-30s who is looking to potentially start a family. She talks about her IVF experience, with experience with sperm donors, with dating, and everything that comes with trying to start a family in a society where and a culture where we don't value loyalty in relationships where it's very difficult to build a connection with people when we can simply swipe left or right or whatever it is on tinder or those apps so i think i think that her honesty and her her struggles with this topic is really compelling you know, fertility is something we really take for granted. We just accept that we're going to be able to have babies one day. But as we get older, that gets trickier, um, particularly if we have health issues, which Mandalay has run into. And it's great to hear how Mandalay has explored both Eastern and Western medicines and how they compare. So I hope you enjoy this and learn a lot from it. I'm learning more and more about women's health. I think as women... Uh, we you guys should do and as men we definitely should do too so that's all i have to say i hope you enjoy the episode if you do please leave a review on itunes or stitcher have a powerful week and namaste hey mandalay hey kevin how you doing good thanks for having me today <laughs> thank you is your tea nice 
Yeah, my tea is delicious. What's it called again? It's called Sundance, which doesn't really tell you much, does it? But essentially, no. it's Ray Bouche. Yeah. How do you say it? Mm, now that we're on, now that we're recording, I don't know. Rubois? Yeah, Rubois? I think it's Rubois. Rubois, yeah. It's Rubois with pineapple and some flowers. Yeah. And aloe vera. That's right. Aloe that's vera. why I chose that's what, it. That's what clinched it for you, I think. It did, yeah. Well, because like <laughs> aloe vera has healing properties. It's yeah. a very healing plant, so. Yeah. Yeah. Are you feeling healed? Almost. Getting there. Yeah, getting there. It's Monday morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so the, actually, though, I was just thinking before we came up to the loft, um, when the first time we really met was, um, I think the first conversation we had was at, correct if I'm wrong, but it was at the Yoga Hub Christmas party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was that eight months? Was that this year, <clears throat> as, as in 2017 to 18? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was. It was. Oh, wow. It seems a lot longer ago. It does seem a lot longer ago, yeah. Yeah. And the conversation we had was, we got talking and I asked you, I was familiar that you were teaching yoga for a while, you were a senior teacher and you did the teacher trainings. And I, I had was it just started teaching recently that year. That year. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> I was asking you about, what it's like being a full-time teacher and then you kind of shattered my dreams <laughs> shattered, shattered the illusion and said um that you weren't a full-time teacher that you actually were a solicitor and that um the, what I, my impression was you felt that you couldn't make a living from being a yoga teacher so that's why you have to have you know a, a full-time proper mm-hmm. job as it were but a lot has changed since then hasn't it Yes, loads has changed. I'm so sorry for being such a negative Nancy on that day. I actually can't remember exactly the conversation. I remember us talking about Reiki and energy healing and stuff. And yes, that you were a newer teacher. But I don't remember being such a cynic about being a teacher. So sorry about that if I was. No, I don't think you were being a cynic. But I think um, when you have an opinion like I did, I wanted people to reinforce my opinion. Yes, and, yeah, of course. And, and say, oh, yeah, of course, everyone can do it. Yeah. So to hear the opposite was just, <laughs> you know, you, you, uh, but, um, but yeah, so go on. Since, since, since we've seen then, what's what's been going on? Yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly where I was and my thinking with my career um, at that time because a lot has changed. Mm-hmm. So, and I will just... Um, make the correction. I'm not actually a solicitor. That's an Irish term. I'm oh. a lawyer. So okay. I'm qualified in the U.S. in oh. California to practice law, but I haven't done the solicitor's exams here. Okay. So I've been working in-house for an aircraft leasing firm. That actually, that bit doesn't matter, but I've been working as an in-house lawyer mm-hmm. um, and worked for a couple of the big law firms here for a few years. So I've been working um, in law for, I guess, about the past 10 years almost. Mm also teaching yoga for, I guess, past six or seven years um, on the side. Um, There was a time back in 2014 where I did plan on leaving the office and just teaching yoga, um, creating, you know, creating my own studio. And um, then that dream kind of got shattered. I developed some health issues that I had to take care of, and I went into complete fear mode. I actually had left the office. I had gone away traveling. I was volunteer teaching yoga in Cambodia for a nonprofit, um, in Thailand, in Vietnam. And when I was over there doing that, I was also volunteering for a few animal nonprofits because animal law was my passion and animal welfare has always been um, an interest of mine. Um, 
And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back to Dublin. I'm going to open a yoga studio. But to do that, I'm going to need to have a certification. Like I'd just been teaching without a certification because I had so much experience and did so much self-study. And um, yeah, so I was like, well, I'll pop over to India and get certified. So that's what I did. Came back to Dublin. And the plan was, as I said, to, to open a studio. And um, then I was diagnosed with fibroids. And they thought it might have been ovarian cancer at the time. So I was going through all of these tests. Yeah, it was a really... What's, um, what's fibroids? Fibroids are, and this is what you've seen me speak about in social media and on Instagram um, with the, well, you've seen me with my fertility journey. And then, but prior to that, I would have posted a bit about, about my fibroids and having to have an operation. And I apologize to all of the listeners for my voice. Um, It sounds good. Does it sound okay on there? Yeah. Kind of. um, Sounds husky, doesn't it? Like it should be a phone sex operator or something. (laughs) Um, Maybe that's what it'll be for Halloween next year. Um, This year, rather. Um, Yeah, so fibroids are basically tumors that develop on women's uterus or ovaries. Um, And they're just, from a Western perspective, a Western doctor would say this is something that commonly happens to women over 30 who haven't had children yet. Because apparently when you birth your own children, you're you know, the chemical balance, your hormones change, which make it less likely for you to develop fibroids. Um, At the time that I was diagnosed, I was 34 and hadn't carried any children to term. Um, And I say that because I've been, I was really active in the repeal campaign and very public, spoke publicly about my abortion I had when I was 18. Um, But yeah, according to Western medicine, if you don't go through a full birth and birth children, the chemical and hormonal balance changes or, or doesn't change in a way that protects you from getting these fibroids. Um, so, but when they detected them at first, they couldn't tell by the scans whether they were, cause they can be watery or they can be more, um, dense matter, like sounds kind of gross, but like hair, nails, like that type of material, or they can be very watery. So on a scan, if they see that it's like that dense matter, um, there's more of a chance of it being a cancerous tumor. Mm -hmm. So they had to do other tests, but it's like, there's only, there's a special scan you have to do. You have to be injected with dye. And so there were only certain hospitals that did this on certain days. It was all a big mess. And then um, there were other things happening with family back home. I couldn't get home to see them because I was waiting on tests here to be done. And I really went into fear mode, like, you know, if something big is going to happen, I'm going to need health insurance. I'm going to need to be able to financially support myself. So I went back to the office. Um, I was working, doing 15 or 16 hour, 16 yoga classes per week in a few different studios, which I didn't mind. Like, I'm sure, you know, if you've ever taught that many classes in a week, it's trying, it's very trying. It's not sustainable. But you were working at the same time. I wasn't working. I had given, I'd left the office. I'd gone away traveling, ended up getting my yoga certification because I wanted to come back and open a yoga studio and make teaching yoga my life, my yeah. career. Um, and I didn't get far enough along in that before these medical issues arose. And mm-hmm. I felt like, you know what, I really need financial security and the stability of a routine every mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Cause my head was mashed. Um, you know, I think when you're, I don't think it's easy for anyone being confronted with a serious medical issue because, you know, we go through life, we're young and we're healthy. And, you know, you might hear our parents or older people like developing little things here and there, but that's so far off for you when you're younger, you know, and then you get into your thirties and things start to be detected or things might start happening. And it's really scary. You're like, wait, I'm supposed to be healthy and Mm. fine. And I do eat healthy and I do yoga and I lead a healthy life and, you know, I'm healthy in my brain and, you know, so it's a really trying thing. And it was, so yeah, I went back to the office then, but I continued teaching yoga on the side. 
um, and doing workshops and things because I loved it. But I really didn't feel that I would be able to sustain myself as a single person wanting to create a family, perhaps even on my own, um, on a yoga teacher's salary. Mm. Um, so yeah, so that's probably by the time I saw you, that's why I had said that, like, you know, it's not, and maybe what I, I meant was it's not easy to be a yoga teacher and support mm-hmm. yourself financially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's the perspective I was coming from. But also at that time, I knew I would be leaving the corporate world soon. Um, I guess I didn't explain that to you. Mm. So I've since left my job in the corporate world. I've, um, I'll always have a lot to go back to if I need it, which is great. Um, as my parents said to me, I remember them saying, just get a college education. So you have something to fall back on, do whatever else you want that makes you happy, but just get an education. You have something to fall back on if you need to. Um, so I'm thankful to them for, for saying that because who knows what I would have done. Um, and I do have it. But yeah, I left the office a few weeks ago. Um, what I'm planning to do, and I'm going away on a little trip. I'm going to be gone for about six months. Um, You're going for six months? Yeah. Okay. So it's a big, little, it's kind of a big trip. <laughs> yeah, no, it is a big trip. So I, um, a couple years ago, those fibroids that I told you about, oh, sorry, I was saying that in the Western world, this or Western medicine would tell you that this is why women develop them not having had babies by the time they're 30, hormones not changing, and fibroids developing. Mm. Eastern medicine would tell you something different. There's an amazing book that I think all women should read, and men if they're interested. It's called Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom by Dr. Christiane Northrup. Um, you can find her on Instagram too. She's she's brilliant. So she's a Western doctor, um, but she started seeing commonalities in her patients coming in with uterine fibroids or ovarian cysts or ovarian fibroids. And the commonalities she saw with uterine fibroids, which is what I had, is that the women were living their lives with a loss of power and creativity, either in their relationships or their careers. Mm-hmm. Surprise, I had just recently come out of a four-year relationship mm-hmm. um, where I, I gave a lot more of myself than where I lost a lot of my independence. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was quite a controlling dynamic, definitely coming from his end. There might have been from my end as well to him. Um, never had to have that, had the chance to have that conversation with him, so I'm not sure how I felt about it. But that was definitely their loss of power in my main, my primary relationship. And then also in my career, there was no creativity in my career. I was working as a lawyer, you know, and at bottom of the barrel um, at the time. So, and for years since law school. Mm. So that really resonated with me. And I started going to therapy and then I started doing acupuncture, Chinese medicine. And, um, my therapist, she would have a lot of, she would have studied lots of Eastern philosophy and Eastern medicine and things related to, um, women's health. So she and then my acupuncturist, they both said the same thing. It's, it's more about energetically what's going on in your life that contributes to the, to the development of reproductive issues in women than it is about the chemicals and the hormone balancing. The chemicals and the hormone balancing are directly related to energetically what's going on with you. Yeah. What does your external environment look like? Your job, your relationships, the way you talk to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, sorry, I feel like I've talked in a number of different directions it's good. there. It's good. It's good. It's good to go on um, to because um, that because that, I think one thing I found really um, compelling about your story through social media was your is the correct uh, acronym IVF. Yes, and tr- yeah, well, yeah. In, in that fertility treatment, um, because I know women, family members included, 
um, who are experiencing a similar thing. And mm-hmm. it's something that people don't talk about um, because I suppose they just feel a bit awkward about it. Yeah. You know, and it's and we we spoke about this before that like um, you know there's so many people I know that are my age because I'm 36 mm-hmm. and um, what well, you're 30. 37. So, so 37. Yeah. And um, that are my age and they're not married, don't have kids, mm-hmm. and um, they think that and they find it very difficult to meet someone, mm-hmm. particularly because relationships are very transient yeah you can swipe left to meet someone and or is it right i don't know whatever it is i think it's right if you like them okay swipe right to meet doesn't mean you're necessarily going to meet them though kevin (laughs) that's true that's true (laughs) so uh there's another problem with it (laughs) yeah i know i've been told that as well like there's a lot of shenanigans back and forth texting and never meeting someone but um and i think that's the problem is you you think people think oh there's something something better out there Mm -hmm. and they and it's really suffering we're not as good at with connection and yeah uh, maybe we used to be um so yeah i'm interested to learn because you know although your instagram post is very very honest it's a snapshot of that story yeah so what 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 could you tell us more about that story Mm. your journey yeah so the journey started when i was diagnosed with the fibroids back in 2014 and um, they thought it might have been ovarian cancer. And then when that wasn't the case, it's like, Jesus, why the fuck, pardon my French, did you go and scare me like that? Mm. When actually it's something much more manageable, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so the journey started then. So I started doing the acupuncture, started going to therapy. Actually, no, I didn't start going to therapy yet at that point. What I did was continue living a somewhat unhealthy lifestyle that I continued drinking at the weekend. Um, not getting enough sleep, um, you know, I was still doing my yoga, I was still drinking my green smoothies, but I was still, you know, dating people who weren't worthy of dating me. I was still abusing my body, as I said, with alcohol and, you know, partying a lot. And, um, I wasn't, my body was not a temple mm-hmm. at a time. My body really should have been a temple, you know, but I think I was, I was very much in, in denial that I had developed health issues, you know? And, um, yeah, so I did that for about a year or so, and I was had to monitor the fibroids every few months to see if they were growing, because the doctor said if they grew too big, they would affect my fertility. And I think that was the biggest thing. That's what threw me into the tizzy. It was like, what do you mean, like, my fertility is going to be affected? I think this is something that we really take for granted growing up, and I think that's why it's so hard for people to talk about now, because our whole lives are taken for granted that we're human beings, we have the ability to reproduce. That's our basic function for being on this planet, right, is to continue creating more of us. Um, and none of us ever think that we might not be able to have babies mm. or create babies with someone mm. else. We <laughs> say, we have the pieces, we have the bits and pieces, you know, but we don't know whether they're going to work when we get older and we don't think about that. And not that you need to think about that or worry about it, but you get to the point when that's what you want to be doing. You want to be having babies mm. and someone tells you, oh, you might not be able to, mm. you know, it's just, it's. It's a hard pill to swallow. I know definitely for women. I don't know very many men who have dealt with it, but but I imagine it must be for them as well, oh, for yeah. you guys as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, my fibroids did grow, and the doctors were like, listen, if you want to have children, you need to get these removed. And 
what you need to do then is either have a baby within a year or freeze your eggs. Okay. Because there's a really good chance that the fibroids will come back and you'll have to go through another surgery later. Mm. Now, this is Western medicine. Eastern, Eastern doctors would have told you something else. You know, you could take herbs, you could do acupuncture, you can do castor oil packs on your skin for like an hour a day that will actually permeate the skin and go into the tumor and dissolve it. I didn't know these things at the time. I learned these things after. Um, oh, no, I was just tapping the table. Okay. Um, Go on. Yeah, so... So you didn't know about the, the Eastern style? I didn't know about all these other ways to heal your body. Mm. Um, so the other option they gave me was to have a baby right away because what can happen is um, it's something called red cell. If you get pregnant when you have fibroids, something called red cell degeneration where your red blood cells attack the, the fibroid or the tumor. Um, and everything could be fine. The tumor could disappear from red cell degeneration or become small enough that it doesn't affect the womb and the space for the baby and birth. Um, or red cell degeneration can cause you to have a very painful and trying pregnancy. It could be very painful for the fetus or baby, whatever stage the um, it's at, and could even cause you to miscarry. So I had all these options they gave me at 34 years old without a partner to, 35, sorry, without a partner to discuss them with. Like I didn't have anyone to have a baby with. I would have loved to at that point. I had thought by that point I would have already met someone and started creating a family with them. It's something I had always wanted from the time I was 17. I think I remember when I was 12, I told my mom I wanted to have, I wanted to have six babies and I wanted to start when I was 17 years old. <laughs> she was like, no, you don't. <laughs> Um, funny enough, when I used to get in trouble, she'd always say, I hope you have 10 just like you. <laughs> and then when I was it's like, well, comeback. mom, yeah, it's such a good comeback. I'm like, mom, no, I only want to have six. I only want to have six, mom. And she's like, no, no, you don't. And not at 17. Um, so I heeded her advice and I, I waited. Um, I, you know, I waited till a little bit later in life. And I thought by 35 that, yeah, I would be at that stage where I was creating a family with somebody and I wasn't. And that I think was the biggest issue of all that I was dealing with mentally. Like, how did I get to this stage in my life? And now someone's telling me I might not be able to create a family on my own. Um, but it's what I've always wanted. And it was, it was tough. So that's at the point that I started going to therapy is when I was faced with having to have this surgery or not having to have this surgery. I considered artificial insemination because I didn't have a partner. So, and that's a big thing. If you're not planning on having a baby on your own, to go and look at having a baby on your own. Like I actually went as far as like, I was checking, you can choose sperm online. Wow. Yeah. You can choose a donor online and you can get loads of information on them. Like you can, you can get their baby pictures. You can get voice samples, writing their, samples, their baby pictures, then pictures them when they were baby, when they were babies. So you don't, you don't get mm. pictures of them as adults, but you get a written description of what they look like. And oftentimes like, I guess the nurses or the administrators in the, the clinic, would give a written description of what they look like. So, mm. and they'd often, you know, um, compare them to a celebrity or somebody. And so, yeah, you see when it's like <laughs> Denzel Washington, you're like, oh yeah. Or like Brad Pitt. He looks like a cross between Brad Pitt and um, John Oliver. You're kind of putting a lot of trust in their opinion, aren't you, the nurses? Yeah, but you know, but, you also get other things. It's not just aesthetics. You get their entire family history, medical and career-wise education. Mm. Um, about their, their paternal grandparents, their maternal grandparents, brothers, sisters, 
um, their interests, favorite color, favorite book. Like you just, you get a lot of information. The reason why they have chosen to be a donor. Um, so you get loads of information. It's actually quite interesting. But yeah, I was looking at that. Mm. At, um, just boom, have just have a baby now, you know. Yeah. And um, but what put me off was well, the challenges of have being a single mother, and aside from that, the chances of having a very painful pregnancy and not being able to carry to term. So there were just all these mm. variables. And so I choose to have this. And the other thing about having the surgery was I wasn't going to be able to exercise for six months. I wasn't even able to practice yoga for three months. Wow. And I'm like, there's really gen. And this is again, like, you know, the ignorance of the doctors not knowing, like there's really gentle yoga, like pregnant women up to like nearly the day they give birth. And within a few days after you're going to be practicing yoga, because it can be quite healing. So just hearing all of these things was like, what? Like what? You know, um, so yeah, I started going to therapy at that point and it was a godsend. It, it was really a godsend. Mm. Um, and I think for anybody going through issues with their fertility or reproductive health, getting a therapist to, to talk these things through is, is, is a must. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I chose to have the surgery and that was another scary thing about it was like, you mean they're going to cut me open? Like they're going to actually open me up and they're going to be fiddling around with my insides. Like that's, to me, that's just weird. That's just a weird concept that, that, that they can open up our skin. And I just hadn't really thought about it before because I had never been faced with it. But I did do the surgery. And um, that's when I developed my meditation practice. I developed a really strong meditation practice because I couldn't work out. Um, mm. I couldn't do physical activity. I couldn't go to the gym and, you know, pound out my stress from mm. being in work. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and I decided that I would... Once I was able to, you had to wait six months before you could start trying for a baby or freeze your eggs. So I waited a year and then I, um, yeah, I underwent IVF treatment to freeze my eggs. Mm -hmm. And then IVF means in vitro fertilization. So I, when you freeze your eggs, you just do like the first half of that treatment, but they still call it IVF. You just don't go as far. You put the eggs in the freezer as opposed to taking a sperm and um, injecting it into the egg to create an embryo and then put it into your uterus for it to hopefully attach and mm -hmm. grow into a fetus and then into a viable baby and then birth. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I've got seven eggs in the freezer. Okay. Yeah. In Ireland. In Ireland, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that means that the next stage then is... You're, if you, you meet someone and they're like, let's have kids, let's go and get the eggs and freeze up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in lame It's terms. like an insurance policy, it's and insurance, that's how they yeah. explained it to me in the fertility ah. clinic. I, I might not even, even need to use them. You know, I, I can still have a baby naturally because mm. I am fertile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just the risk if the fibroids were to come back and affect my fertility in some way, then maybe you get a surrogate with the eggs, or I don't think these fibroids are coming back. Okay. Like, hands up, I I know what to do to take care of my body now. Um, I have my self-healing Reiki practice. I have my meditation practice. Um, I do acupuncture once a month. I take certain herbs like raspberry leaf and nettle, which is very good mm. for, um, for women's womb health. Um, ashwagandha, which is an Ayurvedic herb. Mark Holtzman talks a lot about um, ashwagandha. Mm. Um, so very men can take it as well, but it's it, it's very good for well it's, it's very good for mental clarity. It's very good. It's like the wonder herb in Ayurveda. Mm. 
very good for women's reproductive health and balancing your hormones. Um, and yeah, I don't have a loss of creativity anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in, in the last year I've like, suddenly I, you couldn't tell me my voice now, but I've learned that I can sing. No way. I've learned that I can drum. Yes way. No, that's You've only just learned that you can sing. I've only just learned that I can sing. Because I reckon I could probably sing. If someone just gave me like, said like, no, not in that, was it tone? Yeah. You know, like, so anyway, go on. So how did you discover that you can sing? Well, through plant medicine, actually. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> through plant medicine, yeah, I think I told you I've done um, a number of plant medicine journeys this year mm-hmm. um, with Wachuma or San Pedro. And I remember someone else, actually another yoga teacher, that we know, um, said after she had done a few ayahuasca ceremonies, her throat chakra really opened up and her voice just came into full bloom. Mm. And um, I was like, I was like, I'm thinking of my second ceremony and I was like, oh, that would never happen to you. And I remember being like, God, I would love to sing and make it sound good, you know? Mm. I think it was like after my third or fourth ceremony, I was drumming and then just all of a sudden, I was out in the forest actually um, with my shamanic drum, drumming and singing. And then the song that I, I had been singing at home that I wanted to really sound good, but didn't just started singing it. And all of a sudden I felt like snow white in the forest, like all the birds and like mice (laughs) and everything were coming. I was like, Oh my God, that's my voice. And it's actually really nice. But it's like through the plant medicine, I shed so much emotional baggage. I had Mm. really released. I was able to have conversations I wouldn't have been able to have before. Um, So my throat shock was really open, really Mm. clear. All my, my chakras, the channels were just open for me to fully be my authentic self, mm. to be my core self. Um, that was just my phone. <laughs> that's okay. Vibrating there. Um, that's so amazing. yeah, so I'm in my creativity now. Mm. Like I love, I love drawing. Not that I'm, not that I'm great at it, but I wouldn't even have done it before. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, yeah. Playing music, mm-hmm. getting really creative with food, mm. doing all kinds of creative things. So the sperm donor thing is out the window. For now. So what I've said is, so I'm I'm in in the process of changing careers. Tap your leg. Um, (laughs) When you tap the table, there's a reverb. Okay. Tap your leg like that. I'll tap my leg. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I'm in the process of changing careers. So this is where I was at when when I was deciding whether to freeze my eggs or get a sperm donor. I was like, you know, I'm not happy in my career. And I know I'm meant to be doing other things. I know I'm meant to be serving humanity. I know I'm meant to be serving people. Um, when I was younger, I never saw myself as a teacher. Um, even when I was teaching yoga classes, I still didn't really see myself as a teacher. Even when I was leading teacher trainings, um, I didn't see myself as a teacher. It's really weird. It's like these ideals we have of ourselves, this picture we create of who we're going to be when we grow up, but then actually who we are. Um, I was kind of fighting with that a bit, but, um, I learned I am absolutely a teacher. What I'm here to do is share knowledge, share wisdom is to help people, help people help themselves. Um, and so, yeah, so I'm in the process of a career change and with the fertility thing, I was like, I can either stay in this really secure job in this really secure industry where I'm getting paid well, while I'll be able to support myself financially as a single mother, get a, a sperm donor, have a baby on my own, put the baby in crèche while I'm in work, um, you know, have a holiday once or twice a year, get my maternity leave paid for, or... I can put the eggs on ice, <laughs> just take the leap, change my career, face my fears of being unsuccessful, of, you know, people not liking what I'm doing, um, 
maybe it not being the right thing, you know, just face all that and work on that for a couple of years and then go back, pull those babies from the freezer and, and see what happens. But then again, a, a few other things might happen. I might meet someone in that time and have a baby through conventional purposes. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a choice I made. Instead of having a baby right now on my own, change my career, get settled on that, do what I love. And that's going to be me a better mother better mother in the end mm, sorry oh. and a better partner in the end to yeah. whoever i'm you know i have my baby with 100 percent. and the other thing i should say is sorry That's um so i'm very open to adoption as well now at the time i was like i can't have you know the experience of birth being taken away from me i'm fully on board with adoption always have been and can fully see myself adopting children as well mm. so if the opportunity for me to experience um pregnancy and birthing my own child doesn't come to me if it's not my life's path mm-hmm. um then adoption is always an option you know yeah yeah absolutely i think um there should be more of that um because loads of kids that need good homes oh, so many um, yeah um so what's what are you going to specialize in now that you, now that you've quit your job and you're going to you're going away soon aren't you so what what yeah. what's going to be your um like what 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 we can do now <laughs> yeah so um so i actually leave thursday morning i'm leaving ireland um oh. i am going over to the u.s for a bit um going to a friend's wedding going to see some family i'm going to teach some yoga workshops in las vegas at the yoga sanctuary hmm. um and i'm going to be learning so for the next six months my plan is to learn hmm. and experience hmm. so i can gain further wisdom and be able to share that with people. So I'm going over to Peru for almost two months. I'm going to do the touristy stuff. I'm going to go to some sacred sites, hike Machu Picchu, mm. um, do some medicine ceremonies in the Sacred Valley, do some medicine ceremonies in the jungle. Um, I'm going to go over to Colombia and then either Costa Rica or Guatemala, I haven't decided. Um, and I want to work on a cacao farm. I haven't, mm. I haven't booked anywhere yet, but I want to work on a cacao farm and learn more about cacao and its sacred healing properties and how it's grown and harvested and just really connect with the plant because when I come back to Ireland what I want to do is hold ceremonies um, and help to start women and eventually men create rituals in their lives for healing and better connecting with themselves their families and their communities Mm. so initially how I see it working is I want to do like you know a weekend long weekend long retreats like women's sacred circles Mm -hmm. sacred healing circles but I haven't quite, I know exactly what I want to do on these weekends, um, but I haven't decided how I really want to market it yet mm-hmm. because I want it to be accessible to everyone. You know, you yourself know that marketing is mm-hmm. big and who you're going to bring in Definitely. to your um, to your classes or to attract to your services that you're offering. Yeah. And I want to attract everyone because really what I want to do is help women connect to their source, connect mm-hmm. to their womb mm-hmm. um, because it's, it's a source of everything within it's the source of our power it's a source of our creativity it's the source of our own self-healing mm-hmm. it's a source of our happiness mm-hmm. um and a lot of people don't talk about that mm-hmm. um and i think for a lot it could sound like a very hippy dippy view of well just hippy dippy and airy fairy like out there because mm-hmm. you know we grew up not connecting with our womb mm-hmm. you know i know you interviewed jenny Keene, the mm-hmm. yoga teacher on um yoni massage and yoni healing and she spoke about how, you know, we're not connected to our own at all, how periods are seen as something 
to be hidden and um, and yeah, so it causes us to be disconnected from our very source of life. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I want to, when I come back, I want to do, kind of, you've heard of red tents, have you? I think Jenny may have talked about red tents. Sounds familiar. Or like in tribal times, sorry, <laughs> keep touching the table. Um, in tribal times, women, when they were menstruating, would go into tents Yes. Um, to support each other, to nurture each other. And I think some people have this misconception that they were sent into the tents to keep them away from the rest of the population because they were dirty or, mm. you know, you know, there's blood and they should be in there and not out here with us. When in fact it was, it was the opposite. It was a time for them to be slowing down, mm. nurturing themselves, honoring their bodies and honoring the, the cycle that they're going through to create life. Mm-hmm. Think yeah. about that. We go through a cycle every month to create life. It's crazy. When you think about it, it when you is think so about important. it like that, it's so important. And yeah. It's not seen that way. No, not at all. It's seen as like, just a, like, it's just not seen that way. So I want to change that perception. I want women to get in touch with this part of themselves. Mm. Um, and yeah, through doing that, they'll be better connected to themselves. They'll love themselves more. It will allow them to be better connected, as I said, to their partners, to their families, mm-hmm. to their colleagues, and to their communities. Yeah. Um, I think, and I think men would find value in that as well. I think, I think men um, need to be educated on women and periods. I, I didn't understand really how a period worked until I was in my twenties. I have met men recently who still don't understand that yeah. a woman could only get pregnant when she's ovulating. They still don't understand what that means. Yeah, it's because men are too afraid to ask and then it gets to a stage where you're like well i'm 30 now do I yeah, ask? yeah yeah it's way too late to ask um so um it's not actually it's but they must think that yeah they must exactly. <laughs> there's so much we and i i want to do something similar for men what you're talking about there yeah. in terms of um there's a chap called jody kennedy um he does rewilding of men and yeah. man it's like well, i'm actually going to it next month to see what it's like he, he seems like an interesting guy but i think that part of masculinity is important but also men understanding more about women is really important yeah because i think relationships break down when you don't understand your partner mm-hmm, the communication totally. and we're getting shitter and shitter at communi- communicating yeah. um you know i can't stand communicating through text yeah um I'm not very good at it. I, I get, can tell. <laughs> yeah, I get I get told I'm I'm bad at it. People like whoever I'm dating at the time will message me back and say, "Well, what's wrong?" I said, "I just forgot to put a smiley face." You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was busy like I don't know cooking or something like that. Um, but anyway, I'm going off on a tangent now. But I think there's what you're talking about there is really important, and um, there's a massive need for that. And um, the fellas could do well to to learn about that as well. Um, totally so you must be really happy now that you've decided to make this choice oh my gosh I'm so happy Kevin and I just want to say I I fully believe like you men need this just as much and not only to learn about women but to learn about themselves Mm -hmm. this is why women need to be doing it to learn about ourselves and men need the exact same thing Mm -hmm. as you've said I just myself feel and I would love to work with men in this capacity at some point Mm -hmm. I just feel with my experience and my journey this thus far I'm better equipped to deal with women. I'm just being really called to work with only women at this stage on, in this matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was your question there again? Oh yeah. If I'm really happy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm so happy. I'm like every now and then, you know, a little fear will creep in. Like, who do you think you are? 
going off to create your own career, to create your own business. Mm -hmm. Why do you think you deserve that? Mm -hmm. Why don't you just keep slogging it? You know, like you were, and that, that'll last for a couple of seconds. And then I'm like, no, wait a second. You're living in the realm of infinite possibility, which is where we all should be living. You've learned to trust the universe to give you what you need at the times that you need it. And, um, that's exactly what has happened since I've quit my job. Have you've heard people talk about being in a flow state when you finally like align with your life's purpose and you get in this flow state, things just come to you. Well, that's exactly what has happened for me. Um, I needed interim accommodation, you know, before, before my, the place where I was living, there was going to be renovation. So I need to move out for a couple of weeks. And I'm like, Oh my God, you know, trying to find an apartment in Dublin is disastrous. Like there's hardly anything going. And I had so many apartments offered to me, like uh, just, just like that. Mm -hmm. Um, excuse me, even before I left my job after handing in my notice, um, I was asked by a friend of a friend, she's now a friend of mine to be on the board of directors of a nonprofit and corporation called herstory.ie. Mm -hmm. uh, Melanie Lynch is the director and RT has picked up a six part documentary series. Her story, um, highlights women in, um, in history in Ireland, women who have been overshadowed, who have done really great things for the country mm -hmm. and women internationally, but mostly in Ireland. So the six part series in RT is going to enter. They're going to be interviewing women from the Magdalene factories and their experiences. Mm -hmm. So I'm on the board of directors wow. for this nonprofit, which is something I didn't see happening a year ago, yeah. you know, and I fully believe wouldn't have happened if I didn't set the wheels in motion by actually taking the leap and quitting the job that wasn't fulfilling me. Definitely. Um, a few days later, you asked me to be on this podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. if you had asked me a year ago, I probably wouldn't have bothered. Yeah. So it'd have been like, I'm busy. Mm -hmm. I couldn't make it to see him during the day on a Monday. I might be away traveling with work, you know, and I'm not doing that for my career now, anyways. I would have just shut off this amazing experience with you because mm -hmm. I was just not in this space of being aligned with my purpose. Mm -hmm. um, what else happened? Oh, two very good friends of mine, um, Jess and Patty, have asked me to be the celebrant at their wedding to marry them. They asked oh, me yeah? to marry them oh, wow. in front of like all their friends and family. Mm. And I'm like, what an honor mm -hmm. that somebody sees this in me, mm -hmm. and that want they want me to be the person that solemnizes the union between the two of them mm -hmm. that they're creating for the rest of their lives. Like, mm -hmm. what an absolute honor. So, yeah, so I'm very happy. Things are just coming to me. I'm in that flow. Things mm. are just happening. Yeah. And they're all things that I love and want to do, but couldn't have seen myself doing it a year ago. Mm. And they, and honestly, they wouldn't have happened a year ago because I wasn't in the space for them to come to me. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't have been attracting them into my life. Mm. Well, keep flowing. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, That'd be a good hashtag. Keep, keep flowing. flowing. Yeah, you can paint that one now. Yeah, um, it's ours, everyone. Don't take it. <laughs> so that's it, Mandalay. Okay. Yeah, thanks for chatting to me. Yeah. As always, thanks so much for listening. Next week, I have with me Carol Murphy of Green Lotus Yoga. I met Carol first at my 300-hour teacher training. She is, I'm in love with Carol, basically, put it that way. Hope my girlfriend doesn't mind me saying that. But Carol is amazing. She is the personification of a yogi. And um, she's got more experience than anyone I've met on the podcast so far. So it's great to hear how she has seen yoga change and evolve in the last 20 years. That's next week, every Thursday. As always, if you enjoy, please leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. 
feel free to get in touch follow me on instagram kevin boy yoga have a powerful week look after yourself namaste